Welcome to Have You Got The Guts To Be Really Healthy. This episode is about my story. I call it To Helen Back. Where were the patterns leading to my illness? Was the medical system a help or a hindrance? How did looking back help me move forward? How did I reclaim my health and the recovery? You'll find the answers to this and more in this episode. Chapter 8. To Hell and Back. My Story. Before Barry goes on to narrate my story, I would like to give a brief overview. What were the patterns leading to my illness? Was the medical system a help or a hindrance? How did looking back help me to move forward? How did I reclaim my health? There I was at the live blood microscopy clinic, my last hope, after being told by doctors that I was fine and that there was nothing wrong with me, and that my chronic illnesses were apparently all in my head. As Caroline scanned the sample of my blood, my stomach sank. There, on the screen, were my red blood cells, stuck together in a mess, and the few white cells I could find didn't look any better. Surely this wasn't normal. Surely the six weeks of elimination diet that prepared me for these blood tests had helped my body somehow. What was wrong with me? Why didn't the sample on the screen look any better? This doesn't look very good to me, I said to Caroline. Caroline turned to me with a happy look on her face and says, Don, these scans are a lot better than they were six weeks ago. When you left here last time, some of us discussed your case and we thought we may never see you again. What? What was Caroline saying? That I might not have lived for another six weeks, not I had sought alternative health care? That six weeks ago, my allegedly fine health was that of a dying man? That's exactly what Caroline was saying. And this moment, this realisation, has stayed with me ever since. On the same day, six weeks ago, one diagnosis was there was nothing wrong with me. And the other is that I may not have lived another six weeks. Don had been ill for decades and left undiagnosed. How did this happen? What had he done wrong? And how could he fix this? And if he could fix it, could he ensure this would never happen to him again? As it happens, major illness was the best thing that could have happened to Don. It stopped him in his tracks and provided him with the knowledge and wisdom that helped reevaluate his life, lifestyle and health. If you have an illness, understand that it could be your greatest gift. If you're listening to this, but you're not ill, you are not excluded. Now is the time to take advantage of your situation and learn to keep your health while you still have it. What were the patterns leading to Don's illness? To outsiders, Don's life looked like a breeze. He had a successful business, houses, property and boats. He had financial freedom to do whatever he liked. But instead of making good of his successes, all of his attention was on how he was going to build further successes. In the process, he lost the value of his own existence. He was gaining wealth, but sacrificing his health. And ironically, in the end, he used his wealth in order to help regain his health. During this seemingly successful and breezy time in his life, Don would suffer daily issues with a number of pains and problems, including poor short-term memory, Minimal long-term memory, poor concentration, constant mental and physical exhaustion, to the point where he'd have to lie down after eating. 
extreme fatigue and the inability to wake and arise from bed, irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, short temper, erratic emotional behaviour, he once cried watching a TV commercial, poor sleeping patterns, cold hands and feet, he'd wear socks to bed even in the summer, burning sensation on the top of his feet during periods of stress, lack of libido, low self-esteem, agoraphobia, fear of leaving the house, antisocial behaviour. Are you suffering one or more of these problems? Yes, some are common conditions people face every day, but that does not mean that they are normal. What we've been told is normal does not necessarily indicate that it's healthy. Conditions such as these are our body's ways of telling us that we are not taking proper care of ourselves. These are serious warning signs and should be taken notice of. If not, serious disease could follow. A health awakening. The beginning of Don's health awakening began when he cancelled his 50th birthday party. He was in no physical or mental shape to face his friends, nor did he have the energy to enjoy the length of a party. This realization was the first admission to himself that he was not well. He could not face anyone in his condition. He was always seen as a positive and vibrant person, but inside felt like another person. Each day he felt as if he was constantly battling to keep himself going. He lost his drive and vitality and struggled to stay in touch with reality. He'd lost the pleasure of being alive. What had he done to make himself feel this way? Why was he spending his 50th birthday with four close relatives when he had a party planned? He asked himself many questions, but no answers faced the reality of his situation, the reality that he was dying. Whether it was his ego or denial, it took him a year to accept that something was wrong. He played a game of pretense, hiding the truth, not allowing others to see his weaknesses. He didn't want to admit that he was unable to continue. He had an image to uphold, one of those indestructible self-images where nothing was a problem to him. The breaking point was when he could no longer face working. In fact, he could barely face his business partner to inform him that he was in no condition to work. Unfortunately, his business partner's only concern was how this would affect him financially. This was disappointing for Don, as this man had been in business with him for over 12 years. Yet he did not care for Don's well-being or consider his condition as being real. I mean, he was alive, wasn't he? And if he could move, then he could work, right? Thankfully, they were fully insured. In these cases, insurance company policies offer income replacement for business owners. After being assessed, he was able to be paid until he was fit for work without becoming a liability to the company. With insurance money coming in every month, Don was in the fortunate position to focus on this unknown condition that needed attention. He could finally answer the question, what was wrong with him? But the journey to find this answer was longer and harder than he'd contemplated. Was the medical system a help or a hindrance? Part of the medical assessment for his eligibility for insurance included a referral to see a psychiatrist on a regular basis. Little did he know he would be continuing the program for years to come. At that time, Don's doctors had no idea as to what his health problems were. His illnesses were not visible, and even after extensive testing, no physical diagnoses were reached. Apparently, nothing was wrong with him. As a result, for years, he used any concoction he could get his hands on to make him feel better. When that didn't help, he made some drastic lifestyle changes. He moved out of the family home and lived alone, 
close by in a luxury unit to try to focus on himself and alleviate stress. In retrospect, Don did not use his time alone wisely. Instead of trying to get well, he spent most of his time trying to exist. Life seemed too hard. Even making a phone call could take him a long time to achieve, as he would get the numbers mixed up as he attempted to dial them. Even getting dressed was a challenge. One day, he sat virtually naked for 24 hours, staring at a doorknob. He knew his body was cold, and also knew that he needed to put something on, but his brain didn't register to put the two together. So, he just sat there, numb and blank, staring at a doorknob, unconscious of what was going on. One's mind does not register the same when you're not well, and Don was very unwell. Along with his conditions, he had also poisoned himself with toxins and poisons to such a degree that his body systems were not functioning properly. It was only working to survive. Additional operations were all on hold. Don had been ill for so long, the option of suicide had been contemplated many times. But deep inside, he always thought that he could overcome what was consuming him. He decided to give it one more shot, so he once again approached the medical system in an effort to solve his problem. Body responsiveness. A lack of body responsiveness is very common with people with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and ME, or any condition where one feels short of energy. Being in this state also triggers a lack of confidence in yourself and being in the company of others. The visit to the doctor. Don was one of those people who thought that if you took vitamins, ate margarine and other health products that are supposed to make you well, he'd be okay. He was later to find out the truth of these misconceptions. How we're all victims of marketing and pharmaceutical companies. How we're led to believe that certain products are good for us, when in truth they're actually very bad for us. At the time, Don believed in healthy products and tried anything new that came along. Eventually, he decided to see the doctor for medical aid and advice concerning his chronic health issues. Hello, Don. What can we do for you today? To this day, Don remembers looking at the doctor straight in the eye as the words fell out of his mouth. Oh, if you really want to know how I feel, I feel like shit. And to be perfectly honest, I don't want to live like this anymore. In fact, if you can't fix me, I'd rather neck myself. The doctor was shocked and taken aback. But Don was serious. He'd had enough. The doctor instantly reacted to his death wish. Don't worry, Don. We'll find out what's wrong with you. Leave it to us. We'll find out what's wrong. Finally, someone who could help. The doctor seemed so positive and assured that he could help him that Don trusted him and followed his guidance. After nearly three weeks of tests, he had to wait for the results to be put together. With all that underway, another appointment was made for him to come back for the results. The wait was gruelling, but what kept him going was the thought of having the chance to repair himself and be like everyone else again. Go back to work, make money, socialise, play sports and enjoy life. It had been a long time since he'd experienced these things and since he'd felt in control of his life. Don looked forward to the next doctor's visit. Doctor's Diagnosis in the doctor's office sat a pile of papers with Don's name on them. Did these store the answers to his poor health, he wondered? He watched in anticipation for some time as the doctor went over the notes and was relieved when he began to speak. Well, Don, uh, from what I have here, there seems to be nothing wrong with you. What do you mean there's nothing wrong with me? 
I've felt like shit for far too long for there to be nothing wrong with me. The doctor returned to the reports and studied the notes and figures some more. One by one, with confidence, he went through each condition and backing up arguments with test results, pointing out what was regarded as normal and how the readings didn't get any worse than borderline average. As Don sat there, he could only wonder, if this was normal, what does it feel like to be sick? Surely the rest of the people in the world who are healthy don't feel like this. There's nothing physically wrong with you, Don. All the tests show that you're inside the guidelines. It must be all in your head. Now, I can recommend a good person for you to go and see, someone who can help sort you out. Don's mind went wild with thoughts. This can't all be in my head. When Don asked him to recheck the notes, the doctor simply reiterated, there's nothing physically wrong with you. It's all in your head. There was no consideration for anything that Don had presented. Nothing he said was taken into account once the doctor had read those reports. Evidence of his condition was rendered null and void. Constipation, indigestion, bloating, fatigue, shortness of breath, lack of libido, and poor circulation to his cold feet and hands. These feelings were not just all in his head. They were real and should have been addressed. Don got up and walked to the door after the doctor had made the gesture that he'd finished the appointment. He was still numb from his comments as he opened the door to the foyer. By the time Don got to the car, the numbness had turned into anger. It was as if he'd been betrayed. He'd trusted his earlier comments that the system would find out what was wrong with him. He'd put faith in a system and a person who, in the end, did not have the goods to assist him. How many millions of others must suffer the same diagnosis? How many people are out there on antidepressants and other mind-bending drugs from such appointments? Don got into his car and drove away. This was to be the last time he would ever go to the medical system for advice for the rest of his life. By the time he reached his car, his intention was to go elsewhere for an alternative opinion. Visual Medicine Enraged, Don drove straight from the doctor's surgery to the blood microscopy clinic where he met Caroline. Caroline took him into her room and commenced to calm him down and take the whole thing in hand. Unlike the doctor, she was so patient and understanding and wanted to help Don. She began to put everything into perspective and proceeded to tell him what she was doing as she took a sample of blood and placed the slide under the optics. Don then saw his blood cells up on the screen. Caroline said there was a lot to do but with the right approach, they could improve on what she saw on the screen. This included Don being on a six-week strict eating plan, including lots of green barley, minerals, no alcohol, sugar, or dairy. Disciplined, he followed the eating plan, but despite his change of diet, his cells were still suffering. He had years of cell damage due to lifestyle, stress, and a history of consumption of medicines. When he first came to Caroline, his body systems and cells were dying, but for the first time, there was physical proof that he was not well. From this time, blood microscopy became a process that he could rely on to monitor his progress. As time went on, he became very good at finding the positive changes in his body and began looking forward to seeing what he had achieved between visits. All his visits and results were recorded so they could check up on previous appointments and monitor the progress. Today, Don has an interest in what he calls visual medicine. This is where one can see the changes that take place between visits and are able to take the CD or video home so they can create their own health library. 
Having a strong belief in this health monitoring tool, Don has now been involved with training over 200 practitioners in the UK in visual medicine. Antibiotics. Antibiotics are probably the most overused drug in the world. They're so overused that resistance to them is becoming extremely dangerous. Prior to the drugged world we live in, natives from every culture and granny's potions provided us with simple solutions with very little side effects, if any. Probably the worst thing we had to face was the taste of granny's concoction in the morning before we went to school. How did looking back help Don to move forward? So, he'd found a proper way to monitor his health and now had evidence there was something wrong with him. Now for the next question, why was there something wrong with him? What had he done wrong to feel so ill? Einstein stated that for every action there is a counteraction. Don put forward that for every illness there is a cause and every condition is the result of something that's happened prior to the event. Every person has toxins and poisons they have collected over time which build up and eventually affect their health. Don's introduction to disease began at the age of two when he was severely scalded by over 10 gallons, that's about 45 litres, of boiling water when he stood in front of an exposed water pipe that was the overflow from an old copper a large copper bowl with a gas heater to boil water for washing clothes. When the plug was pulled out, he was in the way of the full force of the boiling water. A young mother with a child in the cot and a two-year-old made a simple mistake that was to change the lives of many people for years to come. He was taken to the hospital where he stayed a week before medical staff instructed his mother that there was no more they could do for him. Don's burns were so severe, there was no way they could control any related infections. They told his mother to spend the remaining time with her son because if any infections were picked up, they could not stop them. Don's auntie was a nurse, so she moved into the family home to treat him on a daily basis, applying cotton gauze and Vaseline. The doctor advised that Vaseline could be used to offset the problem of gauze and bandages sticking to his wounds, but this was going to be too expensive. Instead, he suggested Don's mother boil up axle grease to take out the colour store it in jars and use it on Don's back when required. Penicillin was also used on a regular basis. At that stage it had only just come onto the market and Don was the first person to have access to it in South Gippsland. Despite his family's persistence and care, seven doctors told Don's parents that he would never make it past the age of seven as the accident had affected all the nerves in his body. Don's nerves were so absent that pins could be stuck into him and he'd feel no pain. This was found by error one day when his mother accidentally stuck a safety pin into him while changing his nappy. The reason for not surviving past the age of seven was that the doctor's opinion at the time was that the nerves would regain sensitivity in about four or five years' time and he would not be able to handle the pain. It did take that amount of time for the feelings to start coming back. It was gradual and noticeable, but not so much that he couldn't handle it. The pain lasted for some time in worst affected areas, but the main concern was not to do anything that could inflict any damage as the skin was still very tender and easy to break. Petrochemical poisoning. It took many years for the skin to grow back. Vaseline was put on Don's back for many years to follow, especially if he had any contact with the sun. The Vaseline was to keep the skin moist to reduce the effects of the scarring. By the time he was seven, Don was allowed to play with other children. The scarring was so bad, he always wore a t-shirt if he went to the beach. It was not a pretty sight. The burnt area was from the base of his neck down to his bottom, and the deepest part was in the middle of his back. 
Don remembers always having to sleep on his stomach. He was in his 20s before he broke that habit. Don's childhood indicates the beginning of petrochemical poisoning, which later contributed to his poor health. In addition, the amount of penicillin used on his body over the years severely compromised his immune system. For many years to come, he seemed to catch every cold, flu and virus that came his way. Another form of petrochemical intake during his early childhood included car exhaust fumes. As a young child, his family car leaked fumes into the back seat where his brother and he sat. As Don's mother recalls, she noticed on long trips her children in the back seat would fall asleep as the journey went on. She put it down to the petrol fumes, but it was later shown that the exhaust system had a leak just under where they sat and they were inhaling the poisonous fumes from the leaking muffler. Years on into adulthood, Don was still unaware of the toxic nature of petrol and chose to work at different petrol stations and even washed down with petrol after working on a car to get the grease off his hands. When he looks back on those times, he remembers he consistently felt poorly at the end of the day. He thought this was just normal. Remember, as a child, he was always not that well. Without today's knowledge, Don continued to poison himself with petrochemicals. It's only in the last decade that he's found just how dangerous it is to milk petrol tanks with a hose. Milking petrol tanks is not a wise thing to do if you don't have the equipment to do it. As youngsters, one of them was bound to run out of petrol at some stage, and milking a friend's car for enough fuel to get home didn't seem like a problem to them. Putting a hose into the tank and sucking on the hose to get the fuel to flow was the most common method used, often ending with a mouthful of petrol. Petroleum is a poison, and we are literally playing with fire by coming in contact with it or inhaling the fumes. If petroleum has the ability to ignite and run a car at massive speeds, Imagine what it can do to the internals of the human body. We do not have cast iron or metal interiors. We have sensitive living tissues. And like all living things, it cannot work properly if it's dead or being poisoned. Today, Don may have been diagnosed with ME, myalgic encephalomyelitis. But over 50 years ago, this diagnosis would not have been associated with a young child. Even the toxic cocktail of petroleum products and penicillin would not have been taken into account as there was no track record of them being a problem over 60 years ago. Sunstroke or disease? At eight years of age, Don was sent to the Fairfield Infectious Disease Hospital in Melbourne under the impression that he'd contracted a highly infectious disease. However, his condition was diagnosed as sunstroke, which was interesting as due to his burns and scars, he did not see much of the sun as a child. Don sometimes wonders if the lack of sun was more problematic than the risk of exposing his delicate skin. Today we know the importance of vitamin D and the best source of vitamin D is sunlight. With all we know today, Don's symptoms were more likely to be that of chronic fatigue than sunstroke, a condition that was not a well-known illness to the population back in the early 50s. Fifty years ago, many of the well-known illnesses of today were rare and, in some cases, not even heard of. This was not Don's only trip to the infectious disease hospital. The next occasion, he was sent there by a different doctor. His diagnosis was again sunstroke. He announced if he ever gets sunstroke again, it could kill him. This was even a less likely correct diagnosis. As a young lad, there was little chance of Don going to the beach or being in the sun because his back looked so ugly it made him self-conscious. Even with the sun issue out of the way, there was little change. Because there was no benchmark for Don's condition back then, the medical system kept coming up with alternative diagnoses. 
Even 50 years later, what Don's discovered in his journey is known by only a few. Strange people for dinner. As a child, Don remembers they used to have these strange visitors who sometimes came for dinner. All they seemed to do was ask him strange questions, which was odd, because as a child in those days, they were taught to be seen and not heard. Yet these visitors were intent on hearing what Don had to say. Many years later, he found out there were psychiatrists and were there to find the cause of his illness. Even back in those days, it was all still in his head. Isn't it really weird that the same diagnosis was to be repeated some 40 years later, and on both occasions, the diagnosis has proved to be totally incorrect? Today, though, we know that most of Don's condition was due to the damage caused by petrochemicals and the continual use of pharmaceuticals. Growing older, growing sicker. Having been asked to leave school at the age of 15 gave Don the perfect opportunity to start life's journey. One of the most important things in life is to appreciate your body and learn what it takes to keep it healthy. Unfortunately for Don, he waited too long and nearly didn't get to enjoy growing old with the ability to use the wisdom he'd acquired on the way through. His early job selections were made without consideration to their value to humanity or his personal well-being. From the age of 18, Don seemed to have selected jobs that assisted in severely weakening his immune system. Each toxic job slowly caused more long-term damage to his body. So slowly, he could hardly notice. Working with poisons. Don's first job in the real world was in a bar. Back then, almost every person was a smoker. This was not good for his lungs, nor was ending each day with his regular three large free beers. All of this took its toll on his gut bacteria and his health. His next job really did some damage. He got a job in a factory that made temperature gauges, and his job was to paint them in an enclosed paint room. He remembers the hammer-tone thinners had such a beautiful odor, and he often thought how one could put their head over the top of the tin and smell it for hours. He chose not to do that at the time, but it was a temptation. This was well before he knew anything about drugs and the damage sniffing glue and petrol fumes could cause. He worked there for some time. He met a girl there. She had an interesting job. She used to empty the mercury out of old or damaged temperature gauges. He sometimes would watch the mercury bouncing on the metal top desk as it made its way to the filling area. Don wonders how she is after all these years, having breathed in all those mercury fumes. He also wonders how much of the fumes he breathed in. He's sure this practice would not be allowed today. Mercury, no matter where or in what form, is toxic and dangerous. After working in that factory, he went on to work as both a tire changer and a serviceman for cars. Changing tires was a filthy job, and toxic chemicals are used for filling punctured tubes and for cleaning and detailing cars. This was another bad choice. Don's hands were often covered in grease, and they cleaned themselves down with petrol and some other chemical that would make him feel sick. Some days on his way home, he would feel so terrible he was not able to eat. The chemicals were having an effect, and he had to give up this job as well. At 23, he had the good fortune to get a job on a cargo ship from Australia to Canada as an oiler. His job was to walk around the engine room with an oiling can, putting drops of oil in small holes to keep engine parts lubricated. When they stopped at the ports, his job was to clean the engine with chemicals and paint the cleaned areas. He's in fear of what chemicals he was in contact with on that ship. Luckily for Don, he was given the post of Captain Steward after he assisted in serving a function for the captain and his friends. 
The rest of the journey was a major shift from the first part of the trip. The chemicals he had on the first part of the trip had already done so much damage that he was having to sleep over 13 hours a day and could only just manage to do the easier job. He slowly felt better by the end of the trip, but on the ladder of health he would have been only a bit better than very poorly. His chronic exhaustion meant fun had limitations. When they got to LA he had a day at Disneyland but only had enough energy to make the best of the day. It is the time it takes to recover that is the downside of having fun. When he reached Vancouver, his friend and he rented an apartment with the intention of finding a job and staying there for a while. His friend got a job quickly. Don was not so lucky. He spent a lot of time in the unit searching for jobs on the employment section of local papers, but although he wasn't doing much, he was getting extremely tired. After a month of residence, he was sleeping for 18 hours a day. After complaints from visitors who smelt a particular odor, they discovered they were slowly being gassed in their apartment from a leaking gas system. For three months, he'd been inhaling toxic fumes on a daily basis. So he left and headed for the UK. Over the years, Don traveled the world, exploring new jobs and exposing himself to new chemicals. In his 20s, he worked in garages or other trades such as carpentry, construction and mining. As a building demolisher, he would come home and find dust residue caught in his nasal cavities. As a spray painter, he would come home with a nose full of colored paint. While mining in Western Australia, he breathed in quartz dust, cyanide and mercury. And while working in the glue factory in Melbourne, he inhaled glue fumes on a regular basis. In his 30s, he set up a very successful swimming pool company where he was exposed to more glue, PVC and fiberglass dust. By now, the state of his lungs was dismal and the rest of his body wasn't much better. Lungs need oxygen, not dust and toxic fumes. Without a good oxygen supply, the body suffers and so does our health. If you have a chemically dangerous job or have had one in the past, it makes sense to take precautions and increase your nutrient to override the damage that has been done or is being done. Don did not have this knowledge 30 years ago and eventually it caught up with him. Retrace your steps. Over the years, we all come in contact with chemicals without considering the consequences of a buildup of all the toxins we inhale and ingest. Over time, this buildup reaches a point where illness and disease are a foregone conclusion. One day we wake up and wonder how we became so ill, run down and tired. It never happens overnight. The first step back to health is to go back over your life and find the catalyst for why you lost your health. With this knowledge, you can work on the cause of the condition instead of the symptoms. Socializing with poisons. When Don looked back on his exposure to trauma, chemicals and toxins, he had to consider the years he smoked cigarettes. He was 33 years of age before he gave them up. Nicotine and tar enters your lungs and stays there. There's no need to go over the dangers of smoking. We all know it kills. But the addiction is so strong that smokers go on even though they know it can eventually kill them. Today, cigarettes are so toxic that a small amount of the tar and nicotine in concentration could kill you instantly. Alcohol was another social poison to consider. Until a few years ago, Don drank too much liquor. Having stopped this habit, his health has improved out of sight. It's amazing. He doesn't miss it and wonders why he did it for so long. Alcohol is a major silent killer. Consistent use of this chemical destroys the liver and the good bacteria in the gut. It kills millions of people every year through direct use or by the accidents it causes on the roads. 
If Don wanted to have vital health, then this chemical was one that he chose not to use. The final catalyst. In the swimming pool industry, there is a need for advertising to keep up the new sales. A friend of Don's paid over $30,000 for a revolving illuminated sign in front of his showroom. Don wanted something that was seen at more than one address, so he came up with the idea of making a work vehicle that stood out with the company logo on it. He chose a car much like a Cadillac and had the trunk cut off and replaced with a pickup. This made the car so long it needed another axle to go under the pickup. The order was that the car had to look like General Motors Holden built it. It was a great success. It was noticed wherever it went and often it would be mentioned in clips in the newspaper. It even had a great state number plate. GR8ST8. The result he ended up with was Australia's first six-wheeled four-door luxury pickup. It was a fantastic advertising tool, but it was hiding two major mistakes. There was no firewall between the pickup and the cabin, and the petrol filler was on the inside of the pickup, not the outside. The petrol filler cap was put under the tarpaulin inside the utility section of the car. Without a firewall between the car and the carrying section, Don breathed in petrol fumes for over 400,000 kilometres. This may have been bad enough, but the car was so long it also sucked the exhaust fumes back up under the tarpaulin and into the cabin. This means Don also breathed in exhaust fumes for over 400,000 kilometres. He attempted many times to change the position of the exhaust and thought he had it solved. Later on, though, it was proved not to be so. It was during this time his condition accelerated to a state where he was progressively getting worse. The last straw was driving the 1,000 kilometres from Sydney to Brisbane. This was the day he met with his business partner to inform him he could no longer work. Don had just done the final damage. With the stress of the Sydney trip and the massive amount of fumes he'd inhaled in the last two days, he could not take it any more. Not knowing the cause, he tried many alternative approaches spent a small fortune on products and a variety of techniques, went to gyms and swimming pools, became well-known at health camps, but never seemed to get very far. The symptoms were never really controlled. They controlled him, and he spent most of his time just coping. In an effort to overcome getting an insurance check every month, Don thought he should try going back to work. He thought that if he could apply himself, he would be able to get on top of the situation. This was not to be. As soon as he approached his business partner, he retaliated and made life very difficult. There was no way he was letting Don back into the company. His attempt to have Don committed was only one of the many low acts he pulled. They ended up in court, and in the end, Don chose to walk away and let him have it all. They had acres of industrial land with many commercial buildings and a viable business. Don offered for him to pay him for only half the property value, and he could keep the company. However, this was even too much for him to part with. It was a very stressful time, and in the end, he got it all for small change. The betrayal of a man who had nothing when Don met him but a mortgage he couldn't pay, out of work, and no sign of getting employment, was now a millionaire and had turned into a greedy and vicious individual. Don's choice to let him have it and move on was in the interest of his health and the health of those who would have suffered at the time. It was one of the greatest decisions Don had made in a long time. If he'd stayed and continued on in the company, he would not be here today. Don at least had his freedom to work on his health, so he took off overseas in search of a cure. How did Don reclaim his health? 
A lifetime of contact with poisons, stress and poor nutrition had taken its toll. From the age of only two, Don had a history of one medical condition leading to another. This was followed by years of chemically dangerous jobs. His body had reached a state where healing looked impossible, but it had to be possible. He had to undo the damage. By this stage, Don was aware there was no magic bullet. He tried so many supposed cures with no result. Now he had to find out why. He had faith that there was someone or something out there that would work for him. His journey to health also journeyed him across the world to find the reason and cure for his condition. He first left Australia and began his Scottish journey at Chisholm Castle. It was in Scotland that he set up a health company. He had some knowledge of health products by this stage from all the research that he'd done and this opened the door for him to meet some fascinating people in the UK. He ended up on the borders of Scotland in partnership with a local Scotsman named Alan. Alan owned the local golf shop and this is where Don began marketing health products and promoting live blood microscopy. It was less than a year when he closed his shop and they went full time with the health foods together. They ended up with a warehouse of their own and a very good business which he still has today. During this time Don kept using the products and his health improved year by year. Being away from Australia, away from stress and breathing in the good clean Scottish air, he'd begun making some progress. As time went on, Don became more confident that he was on the right path. At the time, he was a great believer in barley grasses, olive leaf extract and magnesium, and most of all, good clean water. It was when he came across food-based probiotics that there was a tremendous shift in his health, not only for their clients, but also for Don. This is when he thought he must have found the magic bullet. The recovery. Peter, a fellow Australian, came over to Scotland to work with Don. Peter did live blood microscopy. They travelled around the UK doing talks and screenings. They kept records of the clients and each return visit compared the progress and assisted with products that were showing benefits. It was very satisfying to see the improvements of the hundreds of people that they saw each month. The business grew and so did their reputation. This is where Don gained most of the knowledge of why he had become ill. Each new client had a different story and for each one they traced back why they became ill. It wasn't until he overheard a comment from a practitioner that his research took a new turn. The practitioner stated that petrol fumes that he'd been exposed to can damage cell function. For the first time in his life, he had nailed the reason for his skin going a grey to white colour and the reason he felt like he was dying. His cells were damaged and could not absorb nutrients, nor could they remove waste. It would have only been a matter of time before he would have reached a point of no return as his cells died of starvation and or pollution. All this was going on while the medical system was telling him there was nothing wrong with him. On this day, he felt redeemed. He was so happy that he had something to relate his condition to. At last, he could speak with confidence about why he was ill. With this new information in mind, he retraced his steps to uncover the other chemicals that he'd come into contact with. Each time, he was further rewarded with answers. Each answer was another piece of the puzzle. Each answer gave him more information and realization that this must happen to millions of people who are unaware of what's happening to them. He was not crazy. He was toxically poisoned. He was a living chemical cocktail. Most of these poisons and toxins are known to kill good bacteria. With this in mind, Don had better reason to focus on the gut. 
If he could improve his gut, he would have a better chance of digesting his food and a better chance of nutrients getting to his starving cells, which in turn could start to shed their wastes. It was from the introduction to probiotic foods his direction changed. He was now making real headway. Don had spent three and a half years seeing psychiatrists and psychoanalysts, and all the time he was toxically poisoned. How long could that have gone on if he hadn't decided to give up seeing them and look elsewhere? This knowledge has helped hundreds of other people who'd still be on medication if they were not made aware that their condition was in their body and not in their head. How many others are toxically poisoned and continue to add more toxins every time they use their medications to mask their symptoms? Did Don find the magic bullet? From the moment he came into contact with probiotic foods, his life changed. This was a revelation. What was it that made these probiotic foods so advantageous to his health? When he realized just how important gut bacteria are in regard to digestion, the picture got clearer. We need good bacteria to break down food. Without it, our food just passes through without nutrients being extracted. This is not even taking into account that our gut bacteria are our first line of defense for our immune system. Without enough good bacteria in our gut, our immune system is compromised. With all the toxic chemicals our digestive system has to cope with, could this be the reason for so much illness in today's society? The probiotic foods that Don found are unique to one company in Australia. Over 25 years of research and production has created the most amazing products one could ever wish to use. Thousands now swear by it. How are probiotic foods made? Foods are fed to a superculture of good bacteria which have been stressed to cope with cold, heat and a host of chemicals so they'll be more likely to survive. These bacteria break down or ferment the foods as if they were in your body. This means that even if you're not absorbing nutrients from the irregular diet, you'll still be able to absorb nutrients from the fermented foods that have been effectively pre-digested by the bacteria in the superculture. The strains of bacteria used are those that are found in a healthy body. It was from here Don realized we are not what we eat, we are what we absorb. When you eat probiotic foods, you get multiple effects. You get live, active bacteria. You get more readily absorbable pre-digested foods. You get a prebiotic to assist in the making of more probiotics. And you get naturally occurring amino acids. Don became a consistent user of these food-based probiotics. He took some every day and put three different varieties into their range of health products. From the moment they introduced these fermented foods into their range, the business and the quality of the referrals leapt forward. They were getting testimonials like he'd never seen before. Customers were praising the company and recommending the foods to their friends. And from there, he's never looked back. Don made a DVD of seven different clients who had the most amazing changes in the quality of their health. The variety of conditions that he personally saw improve with these forms of fermented foods has to be seen to be believed. Many individuals on the DVD started with conditions that had been with them for a long time. In some cases, it was decades. Yet, within a three to five month period, their improvements were exceptional. A professor of medicine who'd been watching the progress with great interest assisted in making the recording. He'd been following the improvements with his own clients who were included on the DVD. This was at a time when there was very little known about the value of such a food source. He was well ahead of his time and Don enjoyed his time working with him. The conditions were varied and some were extreme, but they were able to show that no matter what conditions they were presented with, 
They were all gut-related in some way, and by improving the state of the gut, everyone showed improvement. From there, things only got better. Don was as pleased as everyone else who was experiencing their personal health improvements. It was such a pleasure to be involved with and witness the joy experienced by customers who could see their lives changing for the better. The value of using probiotic whole foods. Many years ago, after being on supplements for some time, Don had some tests done to see if there was any advantage in sticking to a regime of nutrition. At the time, he had an average diet, but he did take lots of green barley and probiotic foods. He did not use any vitamins. After he got the results from the hair analysis tests, the director of the company sent him this letter. Hi Don. Well, after doing literally thousands of tests, we thought we'd seen it all until we got your results. Your stress factor scores were all low, sign of a healthy guy, and generally you look to be in good order, but it was the nutritional scores which were most noticeable. Your nutritional requirements were the lowest we've ever seen, indicating that your intake and absorption are excellent. Knowing how important these factors are in maintaining good health, we would like to see these scores for all of our clients. In fact, we've taken the decision to incorporate your whole food products into our protocols so that everyone can benefit from these amazing products. All the best, Richard Pilkington, www.bionetics.co.uk For more information on hair analysis, go to www.newfirm.com I hope you enjoyed Chapter 8. This was written to show no matter how far down the rabbit hole you are, there is always a way out. We just need the right information to achieve success. One has to have the right information. Unfortunately, much of the information available is not in our best interest. Education is key. The trick is to get the right information that is pertainable to each individual. Because we all have different backgrounds and different reasons why we got the condition in the first place. My journey at one stage looked as if I was on my way out, but persistence and belief I could overcome a host of diseases and conditions is proof that nothing is impossible. Over the years I've come to believe that there are no conditions that cannot be improved. So if they can be improved, why can't it be cured? One of the turning points in my success was when I discovered the probiotic foods. The probiotics and the absorbable ingredients from the food gave my cells the ability to make other healthier cells. And over time, I got better and better. To access these foods, go to probioticfoods.com.au and have a look at the probiotic food choices. At the back of my book is a host of testimonials for conditions that you may not believe possible to overcome. Try for yourself and see if these foods are not the very thing you need to assist you in feeling better.